Handle on the news. Handle on the news. Shut up, Bill. Weirdo. And now, here's Bill Handel. Okay, uh, Tuesday, uh, the 19th day of June. Morning to you. Matter of fact, morning to all of us. Why? Well, because strangely enough, it's morning. Okay, I have to tell you, the analysis is so deep. Uh, Good morning, Jennifer Jones-Lee. I handle. And uh, there's Wayne Resnick. Good morning, because it's morning. It is. Uh, Alex? Morning. Morning, and uh, no arm. And as I said, we have to make an arm. Oh, right. You were going to talk to Neil about Neil is the fabricator of all props here. He is. So we have to make an arm. And then uh, there's John Ramirez. Uh, morning, John. Uh, John got into a, an accident on his motorcycle. Are we done with motorcycles, incidentally, John? Uh, yes. Yes, people who ride motorcycles are I, that insane. Sounded like a, that sounded like a guy saying yes because his wife is listening. Yep, that's yeah. exactly right? what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. I see people in the morning when I'm driving in 65, 70 miles an hour on motorcycles doing 120. Uh, that are zipping past me like I'm standing still and I'm watching someone on the freeway zip past me. And I'm thinking, they hit anything, they just explode. It's like a pimple. Uh, There's just, boom, they just explode. Explode out with all their guts and stuff flying out. Okay, okay. Whoa. Mm. No, it's true. I mean, it's, uh, you think anybody survives a 100-mile-an-hour crash with a motorcycle? And people still do it. All right. A lot going on today, obviously, as always. Uh, we're going to be talking about immigration and what's going on at the border and uh, the tariff wars and the gynecological wars uh, with George Tyndall and uh, everybody else. What? The gynecological wars? I missed that on the History Channel. Uh, yeah. Wow. Kind of on fire already this morning, Hannah. Well, there's probably a bad like Battle of the Bulge type joke no, that those could are, be made, no, but no, those uh, are, those I'm are, not the one. No, those are fat people fighting each other. Okay, those are sumo wrestlers. That's the Battle of the Bulge. All right, why don't we just get into it and just for God's sake do it? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. All right, lead story. I pity the poor and no surprise, the Trump administration doubling down on the policy of uh, separating kids from families. Uh, and uh, it's, I was watching uh, uh, Christine Nelson, uh, yes, or Kristen uh, Nielsen, uh, the uh, Secretary of Home, uh, Homeland Security uh, or Health and Human Services, that's it. And uh, defending the separation, she said, you know, we have 10,000 kids uh, that came over the border by themselves, unaccompanied, and they're in detention, which, of course, there really is no choice because there is no family to reunite them with. And and that's what she said, 10,000 out of the uh, 12,000. And the reporter kept on saying, well, how about the 2,000 that have been separated in the last two months? We have 10,000 kids. Well, how about the 2,000? I don't want to talk about that. I mean, it's gotten that crazy. So the president is doubling down and... Of course, uh, the president uh, has a real problem with the truth. It's the Democrats' fault. They're the ones that have made all of this happen, even though 
he's the one that signed the executive order. Also, uh, he went on to say uh, that in terms of, well, he had said the United States will not be a migrant camp and will not be a refugee holding facility. This was during, uh, remember that yesterday on that space policy uh, talk? Oh, that he Space was Force? Yeah, and he was uh, then, uh, when it were started with immigration, and he talked about uh, crime in Germany has gone way up as a result of so many illegal immigrants coming in. Well, the problem is crime in Germany has decreased by 5% last year to its lowest level since 1992. But, hey, the truth doesn't really matter with this administration. And, it, and, 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 and he can say it, and no one cares. His base goes, yes, yes, the, there are two suns in the sky because the president has said it. And that's exactly where we're going. Crime has decreased. Well, instead of increasing, like he said, okay, no problem. Democrats are at fault here. Uh, I didn't sign the executive order. The Democrats are here at fault. And you can show a document of the executive order. Because or actually said, with Jeff they, Sessions. Had they given me my wall, I wouldn't have had to sign this that's, order. That's basically it. So it's their fault. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do we do with that? I get, a, I get a ticket for speeding. Had not this car been able to go over 70 miles an hour, I could not have sped. Therefore, it's the, I plead not guilty to speeding because it's the manufacturer's fault, not mine. But didn't you step on the gas pedal? That's incidental to this process. It's the manufacturer's fault because they make me able to do it. Oh, this is interesting, though, because doesn't that logic work this way also? Um, I snuck into the country illegally. It's not my fault because there was no wall to stop me. That is, that's exactly mm, correct. True. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't care if you think the detention centers are necessary or you think that they're horrible, I'm pretty sure you, that you would not call them essentially a summer camp. Are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the Fox's Laura Ingram said that they are temporarily housed at what are yeah. essentially summer camps. Right. So here is uh, my question. Have you ever been to summer camp? Yes, of course. So have I. Uh, Wayne, oh, yes. you been? Many John, times. you ever been to a summer camp? Y- yes. Okay, as I have. Uh, I don't remember summer camp where uh, you were put in these confined spaces, uh, which you have to describe as cages. Let's say not even say you can uh, describe as cages. Uh, you have these enclosures made out of uh, the steel, the hurricane steel, like you do with fencing, and you can't get out. Uh, some people would regard it as cages, uh, right? Laura Ingram thinks this summer camp. Now, are they face painting and making crude leather wallets uh, in these they are. detention centers? That's right. And uh, eating pancakes. Well, I don't know what they're eating, but uh, it's summer camp. It's, uh, it's, but this is part and parcel of uh, the thinking that's going on. I mean, you talk about polarization. It's unbelievable. All right, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. And uh, John Cox, who is uh, running for governor, he has a few things to say about uh, the border issue. So uh, let's check in with Jennifer Jones-Lee.
Ah, KFI. Yep. We were uh, talking, Wayne and I were talking about a text uh, or a tweet that he got. Uh, it's a shocking, I'm I'm yeah. very disturbed. Uh, by a, a dear friend of his. Very dear friend who, for no reason that I can think of, just texted me that she has to confess that she thinks your mandals look good. Mm. Oh. oh. I, yes, exactly, that is the correct reaction. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you think you know somebody. And you don't. Wow. Uh, All right. Can I just, before we get back to handle on the news... Uh, John and I have a pretty important big announcement. Okay, please. Murata is coming. And that starts, uh, what, Thursday? Well, it, technically Thursday, but he's going to be here tomorrow. We're both going to be here tomorrow. Okay, and you're so out. So he can on, see, and then starting Thursday, I go on vacation. And where are, where are you off to? Uh, Richmond, if, the Richmond, Virginia area. Oh, that's right, seeing the folks. Yep. Uh, yes. And so tomorrow you're going to have both of us to contend with. Yep. That's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. I can't We. I'm getting the hell out. When my vacation, I just get out of Dodge. I don't stay anywhere near. Uh, actually, uh, I'm, I have not act through, gone through the United States. Really? I have not gone through the United States. I know uh, outside the United States much, much uh, more intimately than I do America. Yeah, you're like yep. a world traveler. Yeah, and that, uh, and I want to get on. Uh, I'd like to take an RV and just jump in it and go across the country. And Marjorie is so uninterested. First of all, she has no desire to see me with a straw in my teeth, uh, <laughs> sitting down around a campfire. <laughs> Archery doesn't want Thinking to about with me them, anytime soon. Them damn insert name of ethnic minority here. Oh no! Handle okay. Uh, Probably but, better that you don't go visit yeah. the rest of the country. You just stay right here. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, let's do it. More handle on the news. Jennifer Wayne and me. Republican candidate for California Governor John Cox says he doesn't like the separation of parents and children at the border. We are the people. That's How horrendous. However, what's the answer? Congressional attention. So even the president said he, it breaks his heart. Remember when he said, I hate this? Well, that's exactly what Cox is doing. He opposes separating them, but the fix is uh, Congress. Uh, it's a congressional that's not the problem. the question right now. Uh, how do you feel about the separation? The correct question is, how do you feel about the zero tolerance policy right. of criminal prosecution? And that is not being brought up. And is it because John? Of course, he's running in California, right? right. So he can't. He can't say he can't. I support. I right. support right. the zero tolerance policy. Of course. And it's uh, this is. It's not complicated. It's just basically. It's it's lies. I mean, it's out now. Lies. Uh, we are forced to do this, uh, according to Kristen Nielsen, because of the law, and we're merely enforcing the law, leaving out. That uh, the decision to enforce the law is up to the Justice Department. They can say we're not going to enforce it. For example, the police in Southern California. When's the last time you saw someone being pulled over for doing 67 miles an hour? Never. It's at about 80 when the cops are pulled over or when the cops pull you over. So the choice is they are not enforcing the speed limit, which they're able to make that decision. So uh, I, let's just move on. I'm getting just really pissed off. Interesting. You would mention Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nelson and what she said yesterday, because that's why Kamala Harris says she should step down. You make me my job. Stop it. 
Why even bother saying something like that? You should step down. You Be- should resign. Yes. Oh, all right. That's enough of that. She's not, come and on. And again, yeah. and, and Kamala, Kamala Harris, Harris is not dealing with the, and she is a former, uh, you know, state prosecutor. And she's not dealing with the reality, which is it's the zero tolerance yes. policy that is driving all of this. Yes. Well, we need Space Force to save us. To boldly go where no man has gone before. We're going to have the Space Force. Sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that Space Force. There may even be an animated uh, film. Pixar. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? And uh, Rod Pyle's coming on later today yeah, to talk is. about what Space Force really could be. Yes, I just talked with a former astronaut uh, on Wake Up Call this morning who said, you know what, I think this is a necessary thing. What? He it, said, I don't know all The reality is that- space is now a, a theater for war. We know it's going to be. There's going to be two areas, cyber war and space. And so to affect it uh, and to deal with it, it makes sense. It's, it's uh, well, when the... Um, during World War II, for example, uh, there wasn't an Air Force. It was the Army Air Corps. And uh, it became obvious that the Air Force had to be uh, a separate branch. And I think the same thing is uh, this cartoon, Space Force. <laughs> well, it's just a name, but uh, it's very few people going to disagree with this. Well, and that's what the astronaut was saying. He said, you know, it at many times along the way, uh, the Air Force would be brought in as part of some DOD thing, you know, that they would be brought into NASA. And so they were working jointly anyway. So the creation of a Space Force, this separate entity, sort of makes sense. Yeah, and it just uh, solidifies uh, a one central bureaucracy as opposed to, as you said, putting all together NASA and the Department of Defense and, the, and DOD. And so... Uh, I just did that. Department of Defense is DOD. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. All right, why don't we take a break? And I'm going to try to figure out how the Department of Defense really is DOD. (laughs) Okay, Jennifer? You won't make yourself a name if you follow the rules. History gets made when you're acting a fool. So don't hold it back and just run. Handle here on a Tuesday, June 19th. Uh, Let's continue on with more Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and uh, me. And the Pentagon says, yep, we're going to do just what the president wanted. We're going to suspend those major war games with South Korea. As if the Pentagon has a choice. I mean, this was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, and so it's just on its way. But only the major military exercises, we pointed that out. The minor ones uh, still keep on going. Yeah, they're saying the president had, you know, he had, he had said right after he met with Kim Jong-un that these major military exercises right. were a waste of money. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Trump also threatening China with even more tariffs. Big trouble. Wow. Yeah, I, one of the things that this president doesn't do is back down, as we uh, know with this uh, separating children's uh, issue. Uh, from their families, and uh, so he's now saying two hundred billion dollars. It's a it's a trade war. It hasn't actually started yet. It's just anticipating, but it's there. It's tit for tat. Now, one of the uh, the, the the issues, and there's two issues here, and one is the balance of trade, and Donald Trump wants more of a balance of trade, which I don't understand. It makes no sense. 
right? As Guy Adami pointed out, you have a balance of trade issue with your dentist, which I thought was a great analogy. The money all goes one way, all right? So when China produces goods, we buy them all, and they don't buy as many goods. Of course, there's going to be a balance of trade. However, the issue of the tariffs is until China sits down and actually negotiates, gives us some of uh, the issues that are so important, like ripping us off, intellectually pro- intellectual property theft, right? non-recognition of trademarks, uh, the president is dead right. Because here's what China does. Okay, we'll buy $50 billion worth of goods more from you, but won't deal with the underlying fundamental problem of the unfairness. And the president is right. And uh, China won't back down. Every president has tried, and China just... Sure, we'll do it. No problem. This is the first president with balls saying we're going to take care of this problem. It's uh, so he's half right. One balance of trade, I think he's wrong, and the other one on what China's doing uh, is he's absolutely right. Also, there's the issue of dumping when the government uh, subsidizes their government subsidizes the sale of insert name of uh, product here uh, at so it becomes less expensive or it becomes more expensive to actually manufacture here than what you can set what you can buy chinese products for and you're going to get into this even deeper at 7 30 today absolutely now here's what's interesting because this tariff talk could play into this surprise visit that kim jong-un is making to china Which goes Isn't to- it unusual for them to announce that he's there yes. while he's there? Yes, usually it's after, after he's the gone. Fact. But you're seeing, I think, Kim uh, Jong-un becoming more of a world player. For example, going to Singapore. It's the first time a North Korean leader ever left North Korea other than going to China. In that armored train of his. And there are analysts who say... This could be China's way of showing that it too plays an important role. Oh yes! Role oh in no! China is a big. Efforts. Oh, China wants to be a big part of this, but it might not be as willing to like help the U.S. Yes. because of the trade war. Uh, Kim Jong Un increasing popularity right here in the United States. Kim Jong Style. There's a new Kim Jong Style uh, Ipsos poll, and uh, among Republicans. Kim Jong-un is more popular than Nancy Pelosi. As is Joseph Mengele is more popular than, than As Nancy is an Pelosi. Old, an old bowl of porridge that you left out and forgot about and it's all cold and congealed. More popular than yes. Nancy. Amongst Republicans. Not obviously amongst Democrats. Yeah, Pelosi. A lot of people run. A lot of Republicans are running, particularly in California, as anti-Pelosi. Yep, exactly. As a matter of fact, around the country... Anti-Pelosi. That's it. Much like the anti-Trumpists are running for office on that platform, same thing with Pelosi. Because she's the second most uh, disliked person on Capitol Hill, second only to Adolf Hitler. Uh, He's not on Capitol Hill. Uh, Mitch McConnell actually has worse uh, ratings than Nancy Pelosi. Right. You know who's doing very well right now in the public mind? Yes. George W. Bush. George W. Bush is viewed favorably by 63% of all the people who responded to this poll of he, all political he's parties. He's actually going to do well, I believe. Uh, history is going to treat yes. uh, George W. Bush well. There were a lot of historians who clear back during his presidency said, he, said he's going to be great. treat him well. Yep.
Like, right. I, go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. No, no I was going to make a reference uh, to Dwight Eisenhower, but it's a little bit too long in the sense, well, I might as well go for it, uh, that Dwight Eisenhower uh, was uh, noted uh, the last several years as a do-nothing president. He didn't do much, and now historians are saying sometimes the best thing a president can do is to do very little. And that is the mark of a good president realizing there's nothing to do here. And let's just continue on. Well, this is great news if you're drinking a cup of coffee right now, because California moves to clear coffee of the cancer risk stigma. So coffee is bad. Coffee is good. Then coffee becomes bad again. And then it's going to give you cancer. And then it's not. And then it's going to give you the mumps and uh, your testicles are going to swell to the size of uh, basketballs. I then it's heard that report. I missed that one. Did you know the mumps do that, by the way? Uh, well, Our, yeah, no. look at side effects of mumps. I, enormous, okay. enormous testicular parts of you. It's great. Well, it's, not no, you. Not me, but right. Okay. Anyway, it is now uh, okay. removed. As wow. A, how did we get away from the... Well, I have no idea. Because it's good. It's bad. It's good. It's bad. And it gives you, uh, well, in this case, it was cancer. And they've removed that based on uh, a study of uh, a thousand studies. A lot of studies, studies, studies. Yes. Where they're looking for a different correlation that the original study had nothing to do with. That this is the World Health Organization who says they found inadequate evidence that coffee causes cancer. Yep. So that's now taken off the warnings at the, for example, when you walk into a building and said, walking in here can cause cancer. Eating shellfish can cause cancer. Walking in here with a lobster roll is going to kill you. Okay, let's just uh, take a break. We'll we'll move on, won't we? Uh, Jennifer, your turn. I'll start cooling out my hair. I'm going to cover myself with the ashes of you. And nobody's going to give a damn. Son of a bitch. And uh, this is Handel. It is a uh, Tuesday morning, June 19th. Some of the big stories that we're covering, of course, uh, immigration. We're going to deal with uh, at that at 7 o'clock, what the president is doing uh, a little bit later on. Uh, China and the tariffs, we just talked about that, uh, and plenty more. So let's uh, finish up handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. A sign at a Dunkin' Donuts uh, in Baltimore is causing some concern. This is what the sign said. If you hear any of our staff shouting in a language other than English... Please call 443-415-7775 immediately with the name of the employee to receive a coupon for a free coffee and pastry. I, By the way, I'm fine with that, just to let you know, because I don't believe if you are uh, behind the counter in front of customers to speak another language is offensive, it's exclusion, uh, it's the customer not knowing what people are talking about, maybe it's about them. I've been there when they're rattling in Spanish and I don't understand it. it are, are they talking about me? So it's English only. Back there where, where you can't, where customers not involved, you can speak whatever the hell you want. But I'm, I'm a big fan of if you're talking in front of customers, you do it in English. Well, I guess enough people are not a fan of that. The sign is now gone. Yeah. All right. Then we have in Maine a bus line employee telling passengers that they had to be a U.S. citizen to ride the bus. Portland, Maine. I don't know where that is. 
And they, it's not like they were crossing borders or something. They were going from Bangor to Boston. But, they, but there were two uh, Border Patrol agents yes. hanging around and talking to the driver. And, and they were looking at people coming in. Now, the video uh, said uh, they were sitting there talking. Were they actually asking people, are you American citizens, before getting on the bus? They're just sitting there and talking. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this has became, it's exploded. How Somebody, dare- because one of, th- there was a woman there who saw that happening and for some reason said, you know what, I'm going to start videotaping now. Yeah. And nothing came of the videotape. All that happened is another person asked, right. do you have to be a citizen? And, and the driver went, yeah. The driver went, yeah, not the border patrol person. So uh, it's just one stupid driver and they straightened it out. And this is uh, Maine. So if you're going from Maine to Nebraska and you happen to be uh, illegal, then uh, the bus in Maine will not go to the plane. Oh. Wow. It's a musical reference. Yes. A federal judge has stricken a law in Kansas that uh, required people to show proof of citizenship when they register to vote. Don't you cry no more. I have never understood not forcing people showing proof of citizenship. For example, yesterday for the real ID card that I got at the DMV, guess what I had to show? My passport or my birth certificate for a real ID enabling you to travel uh, on domestic airlines starting in 2020, October of 2020. So obviously a real ID uh, is far more important than, for example, voting, which is the fundamental franchise of American citizens. I, I mean, I just don't get it. I do not understand why you don't have to prove your citizenship. Anybody can vote. And Go did, ahead. Didn't you say you were actually turned down to show oh, yeah. your oh, ID? Oh, absolutely. When you went to oh, vote? yeah. I was turned down to show my ID as to who I am and where I live. What's your name? William Handel. Do you live at this address? Yes. Would you like some proof that I live at this address? No. Would you like to prove? Would you like some proof that I am William Handel? Uh, no. Not interested. Uh, it's it's insanity. Well, Apple has set up new iPhones to relay locations for nine one one calls. Now this makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know this, but all nine one one the information is the tower where the ping happens, so they can tell the general vicinity right. you're in. This would tell exactly the locator. In the meantime, I've got this little device, the tile. That if I want to look for my phone, it will tell me within three feet where my phone is or where my keys are. But the 911 system doesn't. Think they would have straightened that one out? Well, it's 50-year-old. Right. And, and it was built when, it. for landlines. But, but it's, so Apple, Apple, Apple's it's getting, Apple that's doing it. Right. Um, oh, this is so weird. In the city of industry, uh, there's a big construction site. They're building some new buildings. They're remodeling some buildings. There's a lot of construction work going on. Somebody dressed as a construction worker came onto the site and assassinated another guy. Dressed up as a construction worker. Yeah, wearing uh, the hard hat and the mask that they wear, you know, for the dust and the fumes. So no video. uh, Well, they're trying to look for video, but no leads, uh, no description of a vehicle. uh, Just, I mean, nothing. No weapon recovered. They don't even know what direction uh, he fled in. Yeah. Because when the shots came, 
course, a bunch of construction workers ran away, and he looked like a construction worker. Yeah. But they're saying it was a specifically targeted killing. He went after one guy, killed that one guy, and got out of there. So I'm, I imagine they're probably going to track him down. What enemies did he have? I mean, it's, sure. it's eventually going to be tracked down. All right, coming up, uh, some uh, new information on uh, the border wars uh, with the U.S. having no plans to reunite border kids with parents. The president is doubling down. KFI AM 640. You can't stop me! Handle here on a uh, Tuesday morning, June 19th. Uh, the big stories that we're following, of course, the immigration issue and the separation of kids. Uh, the uh, China... Trade wars uh, continue. The president is now uh, imposing tariffs or talking about imposing tariffs on an additional $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. And uh, then uh, today, uh, the two victims of George Tyndall, the US, uh, USC gynecologist who's accused of rather uh, obnoxious, depraved things against women over the past 30 years, uh, they're set to testify. Okay, the, the big controversy that's been going on for a couple of days and it's just gotten more controversial is the separation of children from their parents at the border. A couple things are going on. And uh, one, I just saw a, uh, on Fox news and uh, amazing statistics. 51% of Republicans are in favor of the separation policy. F oh, excuse me. 58% are in favor and I am assuming it's only because uh, the president has, in fact, invoked that. That's all. And I've said before, whatever the president does, we, quote, Republicans believe in what he does. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter. And in this case, the issue of separating children from their parents. And you've heard about this like crazy, what happens at the border. And we know how that happens. And that is uh, when you have families, parents bringing their children across the border uh, illegally and they are caught. Then uh, what happens is the uh, detention process starts. If, if the parents are going to be charged with a criminal allegation, which is now the case in every case because Jeff Sessions announced in April there will be zero tolerance Everybody crossing the border illegally will be charged. First time is a misdemeanor. Uh, Reentry or trying to reenter uh, is a felony to be charged. So what ends up happening? As uh, Wayne described it, knowing the uh, federal justice system backwards and forwards, is the parents are put into a federal facility and the kids are separated. That's the policy. That was back to 1999. So uh, as uh, Kristen Nielsen, uh, the director of Health and Human Services yesterday, in defending the policy, said all we're doing is enforcing the law. What isn't being said is that the administration is choosing to enforce the law unilaterally, saying there will be separation in every case of parents and their kids if the parents are caught entering the country illegally with their children. Every case. Now, what's being left out are a couple of things. 
and uh, that's uh, very convenient that it's being left out. And that is they don't have to be charged with a federal crime. They could go ahead and charge them civilly, still get them deported. People still get deported, but it's a civil allegation, which means the families can stay together. A criminal allegation, they can't. Okay, that's sort of the basis of this. And as a deterrent, uh, the uh, Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, said there will be zero tolerance. And the reason it is a deterrent. Now, the reality is, do, uh, do you think they feel great about separating children and parents as a matter of policy? Waking up in the morning and go, okay, how many families can we separate today? Of course not. And do I feel, do I believe that even the folks who are in favor of the separation policy feel good about it? No, I don't think so. I think the philosophy is the deterrence is important, and this, in fact, is a deterrent, and the law mandates it, leaving out the fact that the administration has a choice. That is not in the conversation. Have you noticed that amongst Republicans? That doesn't exist at all to the Republicans. The other thing that absolutely floors me is the president just blatantly lying or at least spinning it. It's not our fault. It's the Democrats' fault, even though the policy has changed. Even though under previous administration, George W. Bush, as well as Barack Obama, very few of the illegal aliens crossing the border were, in fact, charged criminally. And therein is the difference. I wish the president would just own it, but he doesn't. Anytime there is controversy like this, and the Republicans themselves are not very happy with what the president does, it's someone else's fault. It is always someone else's fault, and in this case, it's the Democrats' fault. They're the ones that forced me to do this. And if they change the law, then I don't have to do this. But you've made the choice. You've decided that they're going to be charged criminally. It's the Democrats' fault that I made this decision. Now, obviously, what the president wants to do is he wants his wall. And as part of a comprehensive measure. Here's the scary part. If Congress passes a measure just to deal with this, it'll be vetoed. And I'm convinced of that. Why will it be vetoed? Because the president wants his wall. And he will say, if, and he said, once he signed the bill to get his tax return and uh, got uh, DACA effectively reinstated, or at least the policy of DACA reinstated, the Dreamers have a shot, and uh, a few other issues, particularly immigration, he said, this is the worst bill I've ever signed. I'll never make this mistake again. I want this wall And if you, here's effectively what he's saying. If you want the separation issue taken care of, then you give me the wall. And if you don't, the separation will continue and it's your fault. And we're going to put aside completely, we're going to put aside the issue that it was our decision to unilaterally enforce. That everybody involved, 
every parent with their child involved goes through the system and we will, in fact, separate the kids. All right, I want to take a break and come back. And uh, then the issue of, uh, this is uh, uh, Christian Nielsen, who said, but wait a minute, there's 12,000 kids. You're bitching about 2,000. Because there is a difference between kids coming across the border by themselves and coming across the border with their parents, treated very differently. And I'll, I'll pick that up when we return. In the meantime, Jennifer Jones leaves. In the morning crew on a June 19th, Tuesday, uh, the uh, backlash of the Trump administration policy of separating uh, the kids from uh, their families, from their parents uh, who are being uh, captured, illegal aliens who are trying to cross the border illegally. Uh, of course, this has exploded as uh, the president uh, this morning doubled down. And yesterday he said the Democrats fault. It's not us. The Democrats made me do it. And uh, I find that just fascinating as opposed to the president just owning it disagree agree but it's come on really it's the democrats fault all right uh, the other thing i want to explore is what a lot of people are saying and i want to get into that for a moment and that is uh christian uh, nilson who is uh, head of uh, health and human services pointed out yesterday that uh, most of the kids that are in detention ten thousand of the two thousand of the 12,000 are minors who came over the border by themselves. And of course, they're going to be put in some kind of a facility. And uh, then there's a complaint about that controversy, what kind of facility, cages, all of that business. And the government is scrambling once a decision is made that they're going to separate the kids, which uh, they sort of have to. Well, they have to if the parents are put in uh, federal detention and the choice they have is simply to not charge them uh, with a federal crime. They simply they can do it civilly where the families stay together. And that's an issue I just talked about. But as uh, the administration has made the choice, and once that choice is made, the law is very clear. And that is you have to separate. When it's kids by themselves coming over, of course those children are put into the detention centers. And here's what, uh, and I was shaking my head yesterday when I was watching the press conference when Christian Nelson was uh, uh, defending the Trump administration. And what she said, and I think Jeff Sessions said the same thing, what, what are parents doing letting their kids go across the border by themselves and putting those kids at risk? Look at those parents. All right, there's two ways, and I think there are two reasons for doing this. One reason is uh, simply for economic advantages. You send your kid over, and uh, hopefully your kid gets a some kind of a job and then sends money back because uh, there is real work. Under the table or not, there's money to be earned, and even minimum wage money can be sent back. Because if you've noticed the stories before, you get five or six or eight minimum wage workers in restaurants or construction, and they all rent a one-bedroom apartment, and they live, and with that, and they don't eat very well, money is being sent back to uh, the folks at home. And uh, if you have enough, then the folks at home then travel northward. Okay, that's an economic issue. And uh, I think that's real, except for the numbers, The other issue, and this is simply speculation, 
but I feel it in my heart of hearts. And that is parents sending their kids over simply because those kids have a good chance of dying at home because of the rape, because of the gangs, because of the sheer terror of living in their country of origin, particularly Guatemala and Honduras. And it's a question of making the decision to send the children by themselves and saying, at least get out of here. Much like uh, what happened in Europe when they sent the kids and there were parents that sent their kids away uh, knowing that that's the one chance for survival they had. And I think there's a lot of that philosophy going on. At least you have a chance because here you have no chance, not only of not earning a living, but of dying and watching family members tortured and killed. And we've got to get our kids out of there. And I don't know why the parents aren't going there. Maybe they feel that the children have a better chance. They'll be treated better. And I think the numbers prove that out because the number of unaccompanied minors have exploded. And especially over the past year. And if you talk about the economic opportunities, that's always been there. So you have a given number that are going to happen anyway, but all of a sudden, if you have a huge explosion of unaccompanied minor, uh, minors, there has to be a different reason. And I think the different reason is simply to give their kids a chance to live and to eat. And it's not a question of parents. What kind of parents would do that? What horrible parents would let their unaccompanied uh, minors enter or try to enter the United States? I think it is a complete reverse of what the administration and many others are saying about those parents. And then the issue of the separation. There is, oh, yesterday, uh, she, what she said just stunned me, saying there's 12,000 of these kids, 10,000 of which were unaccompanied minors. And every time someone asks, well, how about the 2,000 that were separated out last month and more are coming? Well, let's talk about the 10,000. And the reporters say, how about the 2,000 that you've separated out? Wouldn't respond. Simply would not respond. And therein lies the sheer cruelty of what's going on with uh, the parents and the kids, separating them out. Now, as far as the facilities are concerned, keep in mind, they're rushing to build these detention centers. They took that huge Walmart, and then the decision is, do you uh, set up a large facility with maybe fences around the outside, the parking lot, and let them mill around, and uh, a dining hall? Because that can be done. And And again, I'm not part of it, I don't look, uh, I and I don't know what the particulars are, and I don't know what it would cost and how it would be administered, but I'm just thinking that instead of those cages, and they are cages, they are locked in those, and the only way to describe it are, are cages. Large cages, which they put 30, 40 people in for a great, uh, a, a great length of time. 
But my first guess is just encircle the whole damn thing on the outside. They'll be able to have a play yard, and then you throw some basketball courts, and uh, you can go to the big five and buy those standalone basketball nets. It's how hard is that to do? So, uh, yeah, I'm going for the sheer cruelty of this administration separating those kids out as a matter of policy. They don't have to do that. They truly don't have to do that. Separating them from their parents, that's one issue. And then treating the kids in a very different way. And uh, while you can do detention without doing the the detention the the way they're doing it. All right, uh, let's switch gears and we'll see what happens. Tremendous backlash is happening. And uh, this administration isn't backing down, but they never do. They never do. I mean, the president does exactly what he wants to do. And if there is a backlash, it's someone else's fault. Never, never his. All right, U.S.-China tariffs. Let's talk about that a little bit. And this is where I think the president is dead on. And he's the only one that has the balls to deal with this. No one else has. I'll talk about that coming up. KFI AM 6. Handle here on a uh, June 19th. And uh, some big news going on. Of course, the immigration news uh, that's happening to 2,000 kids who have been separated since April with the zero policy uh, program or the zero tolerance uh, policy of the Trump administration. And we'll be talking about that for days uh, as this story just expands and explodes. Uh, Also, well, let me do that right now. And that is uh, the trade war with China. The Dow, as of right now, is down 400 points for the day. Why? Because of uh, the fact that it looks like we're going into a trade war and a big one. Uh, The president yesterday threatened to uh, levy tariffs on $200 billion of products that are being brought in the United States. And uh, that's basically all of China's products that are being shipped to the United States Unless Beijing agrees to a host of sweeping trade concessions. And uh, at this point, uh, China, what it did initially after the first billion dollars worth of tariffs on Chinese good said, tell you what, we'll buy another 50 billion dollars worth of American goods, ignoring the elephant in the room. And that is the unbridled all-encompassing theft of American technology, uh, total disregard for trademark uh, protections. I mean, the ripping off of America is uh, pervasive when it comes to China. And no administration has had the guts to look at China and say, stop it and stop it now. Oh, they've said it. But it's always negotiations. So the Chinese said, you know what? We'll sit down and talk about it. And, of course, uh, the administration did sit down and talk about it, whatever administration was at that time. And we're talking about going back 40 years. And, of course, the Chinese obfuscated and convoluted and said, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yes, no, and nothing ever happened. And the president said, you know what? Either you come to the table and straighten this out or... $200 billion uh, of goods will be uh, putting tariffs on. Some were 25%. This is across the board with 10%. And the Chinese are just are not going to roll over, or so they say. And that is 
because uh, they want to keep on going with stealing and thieving of American technology. And uh, they're saying, oh, oh, you're the ones that are doing it. Going back to Trump, it's the Democrats' fault. And China says, well, you're the ones starting the trade war. And the reality is, you're the ones, China, that have been ripping us off for so many years. Now, unfortunately, the United States has more to lose than does China, at least in terms of uh, imports. We buy a lot more goods than does China buy our goods. Well, actually, it's the other way around. China's going to get hurt more because they're the ones that are selling all the goods. And so we're simply going to say, all right, you want to sell to us? We'll still buy, but we are going to make it a fairer playing field. Now, how does that connect with the stealing that they do and the lack of copyright protection? Well, it's if China doesn't want a trade war, then it had better give up. It had better start negotiating in good faith about this stuff. And then there's the balance of trade, which I don't know where the president is coming from. Uh, Since we sell so far less to China than they sell to us, I don't know how we change the balance of trade. I truly don't. And the the analogy here is, uh, let's say we're buying raw materials from some African country, right? We're buying minerals. And uh, it's a country that has no money. And so we buy, they ship, and we sell nothing to them because they don't have any money to buy our stuff. And there's the balance of trade. A huge deficit. Same thing with China. I mean, they buy our stuff, but nothing compared to what they sell us because they can produce at minimal cost. So why is Walmart buying 90% of its good from China? Because it can, and the prices are lower. And it's interesting, the American consumer wants low prices. How many of us are willing to pay 10 or 15% more across the board for appliances, for clothing, for knickknacks, for toys? Not that many. And if we were serious about this, we would gladly say, sure, we'll pay for it. I'm willing to pay more because I happen to think that uh, keeping America on a a level playing field with the rest of the world is, uh, I think that's important. So as of right now, unless China does sit down and legitimately negotiate regarding the, uh, the imbalance... Uh, You know, one thing you have to give this president, uh, he doesn't screw around. He doesn't make statements that he doesn't intend intend on keeping. This is not Barack Obama with a red line in the sand with a sod and then turn around and go, I really didn't mean it. Uh, No, I think these tariffs are going to hit. And we'll see if China caves. I think China is genuinely, genuinely uh, concerned about this because they're spinning. At the same time, it's going to go tit for tat. And you're going to say, what are you going to see? Full-blown trade war, which is why the Dow today is down 400 points. All right, coming up, a solution to fill all of the so desperately needed rail jobs here in uh, particularly Southern California. KFI AM 640. Jennifer. And when the daylight comes, I'll have to 
KFI Handle here. It's a uh, Tuesday, June 19th. All right, we switch gears a little bit. Uh, we switch tracks a little bit, actually. Uh, oh, uh, we've been dealing with immigration all morning, and there's still more with Donald Trump, and I'm getting emails like crazy over my position of Donald Trump, and I uh, just, uh, I'm having the time of my life. By the way, uh, it's uh, there are two S's in a-hole. I just want to point that out uh, for you folks that are writing. All right. So uh, what is going on with uh, the train tracks? Well, we're talking about L.A.'s rail system, and we know it's going to create thousands of jobs. And uh, it's very difficult to fill those jobs because they need people that are technically trained. We know it's going to be much easier for people to commit suicide by standing in front of a train because there are going to be so many more opportunities. So what is an answer? Well, uh, L.A., Mayor Garcetti, has decided or has pitched a transportation boarding school free to students. It's a charter school that would offer vocational and college prep curriculum trained to uh, students or uh, tailored to train students for jobs in the transportation industry. Now, uh, it's it really isn't a big jump from uh, magnet schools. Magnet schools are schools, as you know, that specialize in one area. For example, there's journalism magnet schools or there's science magnet schools. And they concentrate on those areas while giving, of course, a, gen, uh, a general uh, education underneath that. So this would be uh, a school that is tailored for the engineering, the transport, rail transportation system, now, which uh, I guess makes a lot of sense. The difference here, it's a boarding school, which we don't have. In other words, we're going to be putting people up and they'll be in school five days a week and they'll be they'll sleep there. And they'll probably use uh, the same fencing uh, to guard that school when they take down the detention centers. Maybe yes, maybe no. And it ha- and, and where are they going to put it? Well, there is a lot, a 4.2-acre site at Vermont and Manchester, which uh, was, there was a swap meet there. Uh, it was a building where a swap meet was, was torched in 1992 during the L.A. riots. Uh, b- the building burnt to the ground, and then it's bouncing back and forth and uh, L.A. County actually own, uh, won ownership of the lot through eminent domain in April. And so this is the key piece of the development plan. There'll be apartments, there'll be a job training center, a plaza for transit riders on Vermont, 50,000 square feet of retail space, including a grocery store. And, of course, uh, the residents in the area all screaming, no, 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 no. Uh, why? Uh, because uh, we don't want a school there. Hilarious. We want the retail we want the uh, store, but we don't want the school there. First, certainly not in our backyard. But the point is, jobs are so desperately needed. For example, uh, Metro, right, is struggling to fill uh, jobs. The agency hires 2,200 people per year, recruiting like crazy, including track inspectors and engineers. And here is a stat that I was stunned about. Metro has 11,000 employees. 40% are eligible for retirement today. 
that's a lot of jobs to fill. And so as of right now, the curriculum is being put together uh, for career tracks, uh, logistics, civics, and public policy, engineering, mechanics. And uh, it's uh, the same approach is at a transit tech uh, high school in New York, uh, where teenagers, English, math, standard classes, but also learn about computer circuitry and hydraulics, electronic troubleshooting, effectively giving them a good vocational education, and that's a public school. So does this make sense? Uh, yes, it does. The only thing that I have a problem with is going to be tailored to uh, kids who are homeless or have been for homeless and uh, kids who are at risk and they come from disadvantaged areas and they're going to get the priority. Well, my kids, you know, who obviously aren't uh, in that category, I would like them to have a vocational training process like this. And I don't think it exists in community colleges. However, if you're talking about uh, the city of L.A., 1,700 kids are in foster care. And uh, in the eight surrounding zip codes, uh, you've got all of these children at risk. And the process is we're going to do this, but we're going to do this for poor kids uh, and not the general population. Eh, Not very fair, but. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, is there a good answer? Of course not. Is this an answer? Yes. Is this better than nothing? Absolutely. Uh, it's pr- a practical way of approaching uh, kids who need the training to give them a chance to break out of uh, the circumstances they're in and at the same time provide jobs that we desperately need. Okay, I'll buy it. Coming up, uh, this one is utterly delicious. How the state of California is helping the, quote, undocumented and how they're doing it. Well, I'll tell you how when we come back. This is KFI AM 640. Like a sound you hear that lingers in your ear, but you can't forget from sundown to sunset. It's all in the air. You hear it everywhere. No matter what you do, it's gone. here it is a uh, tuesday morning june 19th oh do we really have another immigrant story uh wow you think that's been in the mood uh in the news lately you know we have to start scrambling a little bit uh for stories that are a touch different and coming up at nine o'clock i've got a great one uh we now know what god looks like maybe we have some uh, cool space news that's coming up at 9.30, uh, so at least we have some stuff. Different matter of fact, I think from now on we have uh, different things. Except now, uh, we have another uh, immigration story. This is the state of California now. state of California is very different from other states. We like illegal immigrants here. It's, they're, the, they're wonderful people. Well, actually, in many cases they are. For the most cases they are because they're simply trying to feed their families and escape the craziness uh, in uh, South America and Central America. And that's their crime, uh, even though they do it illegally. And, they, and, and we have to stop it. I'm not arguing that. But uh, the state of California likes them more than, than it likes you or me. And how do I prove that? Well, uh, California state budget. 
It's putting tens of millions of dollars more into programs to help illegal aliens fight federal efforts to deport them. Wait a minute. A state is hiring lawyers to help people fight federal law. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what it's doing. Uh, $1.6 million just added to build a team of eight attorneys and investigators uh, to enforce the state law that requires businesses to tell their employees when they're contacted by ICE. Now, this has to do with uh, if ICE is going to go out there and uh, a business knows that ICE is happening, there's going to be a raid or whatever, they have to tell their employees, ICE is a coming. Uh, last year's Assembly Bill 450 uh, was uh, actually passed because uh, it wanted to rebut uh, the administration crackdown on illegal immigration. And here's the one that I absolutely love. Talking about notifying workers that there is a pending immigration action. If the employers don't notify those workers, it's a two to $10,000 fine. If they don't tell the workers. Now, how about screaming at the employers and using E-Verify? Oh, you don't want to use E-Verify to prove they're here illegally. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about that. That federal law, we don't want, uh, we, we, we absolutely uh, don't want to, uh, we, we don't want to help out uh, in terms of the federal government, right? E-Verify, to prove someone is here illegally. Oh, no, 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 leave that one alone. But if ICE is coming to raid the place, oh, we have to tell everybody. This is crazy. And uh, the it's a $200 billion budget package. Uh, and I love this. Uh, the uh, various uh, activists, activist groups are really pissed off because the state is not providing health care coverage and tax breaks to illegal aliens that are here in California. Okay, you're here legally, right? You have a job. What kind of tax break are you getting? I'd like to know. Taxes have gone up across the board, but the activists want tax. If you're illegal, then there should be tax breaks. That's how crazy it has become. But then are you surprised? College, here's, here's what's happening. Uh, illegal aliens, of course, are allowed into college. And the tuition is based on in-state tuition. So they're given the same break. Uh, If someone else comes from another state, they have to pay out-of-state tuition. But if you're illegal, not a problem. And here is uh, what the state is saying. College students have trouble navigating the immigration system since the president announced he would end uh, DACA. Therefore, we want to help students, illegal alien students, navigate the system and make it as easy as they can to fight the immigration laws. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Uh, it's, I, I just don't understand it. Well, uh, oh, here's one. Mandates employers to provide notice to workers if there is even a federal request to examine I-9 forms which employees fill out to verify eligibility for the employees to work in the United States. If there are any problems with that, 
they cannot tell the feds there's a problem with that, even though the law says that the employers must verify their employment. Now, at least thank goodness uh, the state law that's being passed uh, doesn't say under state law you cannot e-verify. You can never check if someone is here illegally. They haven't gone that far because that's an outright violation of federal law. I'm surprised, aren't you? But the law says that if there is something, if there is an issue with uh, the I-9, that is uh, to declare that uh, you're here illegally, if there is any issue, you can't tell the feds and you must tell the employee, come on in and let's straighten this out. Uh, That's the state of California with illegal aliens. Uh, it's getting to the point now where it's it's good to be an illegal alien here in the state of California, and it it and the uh, state will do everything it can to make sure you state uh, you stay here and uh, you go around any federal law that uh, would deport you or give you any kind of a penalty for being illegal. Wow, and that's just extending and extending. All right, uh, coming up, let's talk about North Korea for a moment. And businesses are lining up to do uh, business with North Korea, even in light of the history of what's happened uh, over the years. And I'll, we'll dive into that one in a moment. In the meantime, uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. Handle here on a Tuesday, June 19th with the morning crew. Big stories that we're covering today, of course, the immigration issue and the separation of the families at the border, and that'll keep on going. Uh, Then we have uh, the tariffs and uh, China, which is why uh, the stock market, well, is now down 300 points. Uh, About an hour ago, it was 400 points down because of the potential and looming trade war with China. And then let's move over to South Korea. I mean, the big news in South Korea is that uh, Kim Jong-un is on his third go-round with a meeting with President Xi of China uh, for the very reason that uh, there's nothing going to happen between the U.S. and uh, South Korea and North Korea that China is not going to be involved in. All right. So uh, let me share with you one of the most important aspects of this entire uh, North Korea and South Korea relationship choco pies huh choco pies they're like moon pies which i love you know marshmallow with the uh, crispy uh, like cookie and then all covered in uh, chocolate and what do choco pies have to do with what's going on well it looks like as trade opens up between north and south korea Probably the first thing that's going to be traded is choco pies. Why is that? Because North Koreans are crazy about these. Because they buy them on the black market. Because they spend ungodly amounts of money. They sneak them in. Choco pies are the end-all, be-all. I mean, they're literally... People smuggle them and sell them for insane amounts of money. It's like cocaine, except it's choco pies. Well, 
after Choco Pies are brought in, then we go through companies uh, like construction and shipping and mining and hotel groups and automakers, Hyundai specifically, and a bunch of others, uh, Korean food companies. Uh, well, the food company is probably going to be most likely to make uh, the first forays. Why? Because common culture, common tastes, and uh, they just like the same foods. Especially, let's do it together, Choco, Choco pies. pies. Yes. Now, in the industrial zone, remember that uh, Kaesong industrial zone between the two company uh, countries? that uh, the South Koreans were allowed to set up factories uh, allowing North Koreans to work there because the, uh, the wages were so low and North Korea was able to make some money. And that was shut down uh, because a North Korean guard shot someone that was working there and they just shut it down. And then the government just took it all over, the North Korean government. But uh, what do you think was the number one item? That were involved with those choco, choco pies. pies. Oh. That, as a matter of fact, the uh, they become such a symbol of resistance that activist group in South Korea send them over the border tied to balloons. <laughs> and remember the guy who uh, that North Korean soldier who uh, dashed across the demilitarized zone in November, and he was shot a bunch of times, and he survived. Well, they obviously gave him a pension. Uh, he became a hero in South Korea and a lifetime supply of no, Choco Pie. You're joking. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're talking serious stuff. So there was a recent North Korea investment forum that was done in Seoul. About 600 corporate, corporate executives and economic researchers were there to... Just start talking about future opportunities. And keep in mind, the opportunities in North Korea are immense. They're across the board. I mean, roads and railways and sports, airports, uh, the grid, hotels, TVs, consumer goods, choco pies, uh, all kinds of food production facilities, and that untouched property in the DMZ. That's the border. And usually border towns do very well across the world. And it gets rough, though. I mean, they're taking their chances. Uh, in 1998, for example, Hyundai uh, opened a, a mountain resort for tourists uh, in North Korea, just over the border. Hugely popular. Closed in 2008, 10 years later, after a century shot and killed a tourist. And then all of it was confiscated by Pyongyang. And it now owns a mountain resort built by Hyundai. And actually, uh, you know what's going on uh, in North Korea? By little bits and pieces and incremental, uh, the North Korean economy is expanding to 1.2, uh, 1.25% average, which uh, at least it's not deflation. It's considered fairly flat since Kim assumed power in 2011. And... There is a very small budding free enterprise system starting to emerge with small private shops and a few restaurants, but very little. So when China, um, it's when Cuba, I'm sorry, uh, started opening up its economy uh, to the market system, because as you know, 
uh, centralized economies, uh, in de- by definition, fall apart. I mean, you need a free market economy to, to move any place. And uh, so what Cuba did is start opening up. You could open up a restaurant with no more than three tables at home. And that's where it really started. And a little business here, an artist could start selling uh, their art for, uh, for uh, to tourists. And that looks like maybe, kind of, uh, Kim is allowing some kind of a free enterprise system. Well, you're going to see more of that if uh, you see the, uh, the opening up of the two countries and the border. But I'll tell you what you're going to see lots of. Choco, Choco pies. pies, you betcha. I'm not trying to start a war here, but what is better, the Choco Pie or the Moon Pie? Uh, it's their version. I think the Choco Pie is sort of a knockoff, a knockoff. of the Moon, moon, the moon pie. pie. was first. You know what we ought to do is do a taste test. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about Cho- it. Let's get Choco. I'm going to put a you in of charge pie. of that, Alex. Moon Pie versus Choco Pies. I don't, you can, even, can you get Choco Pies here? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Have a box of moon pies. No, I'm talking oh. about in uh, the United States. Does it sell choco pies? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Sure we let's, we'll do a Amazon. taste test. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. All right. This is, uh, we're going to come back with Handle on the Law uh, late uh, news. news. Handle on the uh, Handle on the News late edition. I'll get there. All right. Uh, Jennifer Jones. Handle on the News late edition. Handle on the News. I'm telling you, he says what I'm thinking. He's speaking our minds. Here's Bill Handel. KFI Handel here on a Tuesday morning. It's time for Handel on the News Late Edition. Uh, Jennifer Jones, Lee, uh, Wayne Resnick, and me. Oh, incidentally, if you listen to the last segment about North Korea and South Korea... I was telling you that North Koreans are absolutely crazy about choco pies, uh, our version of the moon pies. I mean, nuts about them beyond, beyond anything. Their currency is what they are. It's like cigarettes in prison. It's, uh, they're, they'll die for them. So what uh, Jennifer did is order up both moon pies and choco pies, and we are going to do, we are going to have a taste test. So here's what we're going to do. We have three things we're going to test. We're going to test the moon pies against the choco pies, the choco pies against spicy kimchi. And we will see. Oh, you didn't tell me we were doing that. I didn't order any. Uh, oh, we'll, uh, we'll get those. <laughs> I was going to say it looks like I picked a bad time to go on vacation, <laughs> but now it looks like I picked the perfect time. And we're going to do this a week from Friday yes. uh, because uh, it's all coming in on Thursday and Jen's getting them Thursday. So we'll do it during Foodie Friday on uh, Friday next, not this Friday, the following. Okay. All right, let's do it. Lead story. A uh, Silicon Valley couple... Uh, in reference to uh, and responding to the separation of the families, the border has already raised three and a half million dollars to help reunite them. And uh, it is money that is uh, going to uh, be given to the Refugee Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services, a Texas based nonprofit that pays the bond of uh, the detained parents and gives uh, legal services. And this is in Texas. Uh, to uh, the children in uh, the court system, immigration court system. And that was, as of yesterday, it was $3.5 million. I'm looking at it right now. It's well over 4.5. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
Well, it's one of those things where a lot of people feel very passionate about this. Well, there's a former immigrant shelter worker in Arizona who says he quit after he was told to separate two siblings who were hugging. I pity the poor immigrant. His name is Antar Davidson, and he said there were two brothers and a sister who were tightly hugging each other, and he was told that he had to break them up, that they should not be able to hug. And he said it was at that point that he felt morally what he was doing was wrong, and that's when he had to quit. Yeah, and I love the response that the shelter gives. Our staff has great expertise in dealing with this population. We have a very high professional development standards. Yeah, how about the hugging incident? What do you think of that? We have very high professional standards. That statement has nothing to do with the issue, which is why can't siblings hug each other when they're in these centers? Uh, yes, and but this is typical. Nobody, of- nobody in this situation wants to say the truth. Right. Uh, Sessions and all, they don't want to say this is happening because... We are doing something that's never happened before in the history of this government, which is prosecuting every single person that we find coming across the border. And the people who are upset about it, here's the interesting thing for you guys. What specifically do you want the government to do? Do you want them to stop prosecuting the people? Yeah, we're not hearing that either. Nobody's coming right out and saying, please stop prosecuting all these people. So how does this get solved if nobody will even speak the truth about it? Well, California has the answer. Uh, just let them in. Let them in uh, and uh, don't not only don't stop them, but tuition and help. And if they are uh, and if they are being prosecuted, then we'll give them lawyers to help them stay here with tax money, with your dollars. Uh, and people like Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA and NSA, they're not helping because he and Diane Feinstein compared these um, immigration detention centers to Nazi death camps. Oh, good God. I'm a Jew, not Jew. I got some Jew. And I, I'm sure that they are not lovely places to be, but, but that comparison is out of control. It's just, it's you have that on one side, and then Laura Ingram saying there's summer camps on right. the other side. But right. it was just crazy. And it even goes on that he said... Uh, well, uh, here's one of the reasons, uh, the differences is that the Nazis were keeping the Jews from leaving. You had to stay in and we're not stopping them. Matter of fact, we want them to leave. Therefore, we're not Nazi Germany. This what, is Jeff what? Sessions. Yeah. yeah what you know, you- if you're accused of running the equivalent of Nazi death camps, that's your response. Well, technically... Like this technicality, that's what you come up with? Crazy. I would say something like, that's disgusting, yes, and move on. Also, uh, the, the uh, comparison is being made to the uh, settlement camps, uh, the detention camps uh, during the war with the Japanese, Manzanar and a few other ones. Uh, and then my response to that is uh, that the here's the difference, and I know as horrible as those camps were, and they were just unconscionable, the families were together. They didn't separate the families. Yeah. They were all together being miserable. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back and uh, finish all this up.
All right, Handel here and uh, the morning crew as we finish Handel on the News Late Edition. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. 600 people are very mad at Jeff Sessions. We're on a mission from God. Look away, pixie man. He says that he never met no Russians except for one he... <laughs> or two uh, three discussions. Or 600. Away, Members away, of Jeff Sessions' church have signed a formal right. complaint against him. Now, is that the specific church or is it the the entire United Methodist see, Church? So two things. I thought the exact same thing because I thought, wow, Jeff Sessions doesn't seem to me to be the kind of guy that goes to a mega church. He, to me, seems like, you know, kind of a down-home sort of yeah, guy that would yeah. go to a small little church with not very yeah, many and, people. And it's, I mean, if you're talking about the entire Methodist Church with, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people in it, big deal with 600. Now, if you're talking about a small church that he attends with 615 people... Right. And 600 of them say, uh, we want out. And the other 15 are his family members. Uh, yeah. Then that becomes a little bit more of a story. All right. All right. China says that uh, President Trump is a blackmailer. And this is over his threat to uh, impose even tariffs. more tariffs. Yeah. And I guess uh, that's true because they're blackmailing. He's blackmailing them into doing the right thing. Into being fair, I, but it, it could be. If you don't do this, then I will do this. I guess it's a form of blackmail. All right. Although usually with blackmail, you're not trying to get the person to do a thing they should already be doing. That is correct. Uh, but other than that, I guess it's he's just applying maximum pressure. That's, That's what he's yeah, doing. in a big way. There's a former CIA employee who has been charged with leaking classified information on agency hacking tools. Secret agent. Yeah, he's going down. Yeah. He would work for the CIA, and uh, he a 13-count indictment returned by the grand jury that he stole classified information, released them. Oh, and don't forget, he was already being held on child porn charges, so he's being charged with uh, receipt, possession, and oh. transportation of child pornography on top of it all. Piece of work, huh? Mm. Well, a guy graduated from UC Davis, and he did pretty well, summa cum laude. And why is this news? Because he's 15 years old. This guy, he was in Mensa at four, started homeschooling at seven, graduated high school at 10. A year after that, he already had associate degrees in math, science, and foreign language studies. And uh, and he just got uh, out of Davis. Yeah. And I spent six years in junior college. I hate yeah. this kid. What is, yeah, of course you hate this kid. I, I hope he has a million pimples on his face and never gets laid. Oh, yeah. stop it. He got he has a degree in biomedical engineering. And I hope he has a very small penis on top of that. That's oh. the only thing that would make this worthwhile. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think it's the greatest idea to, oh, I don't know, pose with a communism will win hat if you are a West Point graduate. Yeah, what an idiot. What a moron. This guy, he, his name is Spencer Rapone, and he apparently has a social media post where he's wearing a Che Guevara shirt underneath his military uniform, and the military goes, you know what? I think that that is conduct unbecoming an officer. Yeah, I, so he's out. How does someone who is an officer, having graduated from I West Point, no weigh Che uh, Guevara t-shirts under the uniform and show them and then post communism, a, a, a cap 
Communism will win? He wrote on the inside of the cap. He wrote it. Communism will win. And then when he posed, he showed the inside of his cap. Of course you're going to get tossed. Well, he's out of the military with an other than honorable discharge, which is extremely rare for anybody coming out of West Point to end up that way. Oh, no. Bill Cosby has lost yet another honorary degree. Northwest University has rescinded their honorary doctorate. So uh, he's lost them from Temple, Ohio State, Yale, Carnegie Mellon, Johns Hopkins, Notre Dame, Wesleyan uh, in Connecticut. He's just all of his honorary degrees are going south. Even Pennsylvania, where he was born, now say he was born in Kenya. (laughs) They will not accept his birth. Well, there are women who are claiming sexual abuse by former gynecologist at USC who are now speaking out. Oh, yeah. We heard this yesterday. Brutal and very uh, and specific uh, charges I mean, or specific uh, allegations. Uh, allega- not just allegations, descriptions of what happened. Uh, this is a USC grad, Sharnay Hughes, who said UCS... Uh, USC didn't do enough to protect students. Merely paying Dr. Tyndall to quietly resign silences my voice and the voices of all others who bravely spoke out for years against his misconduct. Yeah, good old USC. You think it's going down? You think a lawsuit? Remember how Penn, uh, where they had to pay for, uh, had to pay how many hundreds of millions of dollars that Penn uh, had to pay? You talk about Penn State with... uh, Penn State or Penn? Yeah, Sandusky. Was it Penn State or was it University of Pennsylvania? Penn State. Penn State. I Penn State. Yeah, Penn State for Sandusky. Okay. All right, here Last we go. Last story. Last Husband, story. Wife estranged. She's trying to sell an air conditioner on, uh, I think, on Craigslist. He comes to try to take it away from her. She shoots him in the testicles. I've got big balls. Ooh. That's a little painful, isn't it? Well, first she tried with a stun gun. That didn't work. That didn't work. So, you know. I wonder if he just was slammed back against the wall, which, of course, means... Oh, no. Yes. B, Bs False. to the W. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I had to throw that in there. Incidentally, that is that is not a way to end a relationship. I wouldn't call this an amicable divorce. He well, it's also not a way to start a relationship, I think. Uh, yeah. It's Florida. It's hot there. Don't steal somebody's air conditioner. <laughs> no kidding. Moral All right. of the story. Uh, we're done. Now, this is going to be a fun one. What does God look like? If huh. you say you. No, no, no. Please. <laughs> God does not look like me. But uh, there, there's some science here, and I'm going to share that with you. The perception of God. KFI AM 640. God had a face. What would it look like and would you want to see? If seeing meant that you would have to be All right, so what does God look like? Okay. Uh, now, if you go to the Sistine Chapel in uh, uh, in Rome, Michelangelo's uh, painting of uh, the creation, at the very top, you'll notice God uh, touching uh, man. And he looks like he's a member of uh, ZZ Top. That is not what God actually looks like. So here is, uh, this is great, a cognitive study. 500 Christians uh, were asked, what does God's face look like? Well, it wasn't come up with it. 
what psychologists did at the University of North Carolina uh, showed 511 American Christians uh, pairs of photos and asked, which face looks more like God? And uh, it's a study of psychology of religion. And what it really is, is a way to measure how believers perceive God's mind and what he looks like. Now, God has been painted in Christian art forever, usually with a beard, uh, usually singing legs. But the Bible provides uh, no consistent clues, or even if God has a face at all. And uh, the researchers found that the images of God actually it uh, looked like a face, looked like a regular person. And so how did they get this? Uh, it, it's fascinating what they did, okay? Uh, they started showing people uh, a picture of someone's face, and in this case, an a, a androgynous white face, average American face, right? If you were androgynous. Okay, fair enough. Then a computer program uh, randomly adds distorting noise, quote, to the photo. And you have versions of the face, slightly different features, and you were asked which one looks more like God. You ever had an eye test where it's one of those, this is better, that is better, which one is better, and it winnows it down to you sort of you, you get the, the eyesight level? Well, that's exactly what happened here. The, uh, the uh, participants were asked, uh, pick between these two images. Which one to you look more like God? Then collecting all the photos, people said, look like God, and averaged them together. And they also compiled the images that people said didn't look like God. And that's an average of all the rejected faces. Fascinating stuff. So uh, it was also used, let me tell you how biased and racist this can be. It also asked which face looks more like a welfare recipient, right? And the answers uh, re uh, reveal some true assumptions. Uh, the welfare recipients look lazier, more hostile, unattractive. And what it does is simply reveal how we unfairly judge others before we even meet them just based on looks, so it's called reverse correlation. And so beginning with the God photos, the researchers start, start off with a face that the average American, mostly white, uh, looks. The final image of uh, someone who does not look like God was African-American, especially if uh, they started with an African-American face as a template. Then you knew an African-American either way was going to look uh that 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 face was not going to look like god now we're talking much more subtleties than this so it's not just if you start with a black face you're going to see a black face oh no it's the changes most american christians view god as a he but i think that has more to do with that's the way we were raised uh the image uh, oh here's one and and a loving face remember god is a loving face this is the guy that turned uh I uh, had uh, Abraham uh, have Isaac kill his brother, right? Or that's very, or Abraham was going to kill Isaac, right? That was it. I think that was uh, the issue. That's a loving God. And let's not to forget about wiping out all the uh, uh, the Egyptians. That's a loving God. And so, uh, yeah, not so good in many cases.
that's a tough God. Jericho going down, everybody dying. Uh, how about uh, the great flood with Noah? Everybody dies in the world. There's your loving God. Just wanted to point that out. Okay, so here I I love, and I'm looking at two photos, and liberal, liberal participants, uh, the image of God is very much benign, uh, and this is a reverse. With conservatives, uh, the image of God was actually, uh, the hair was a little disheveled, uh, the nose was bigger, uh, the conservatives' God was perceived as more masculine, older, more powerful, wealthier than the liberals' God. This is a Republican God. The liberals' God, liberal God, was younger, uh, sort of better looking. So, how is that your perception of God? What does God look like to you? To me? Well, let me ask this, uh, Jen. What does God look like to you? If you had to answer, uh, I would say the stereotypical God in the you know with the beard, with the beard, yeah, and like, the long Z, hair like ZZ and, Top, yes, and the okay, sandals, got it. And the, All right, um, Alex, what does God look like to you? Same, you know, dude in a robe with a beard, long hair, that kind of deal. Okay, uh, and uh, well, I know what God looks like to uh, <laughs> to John. John, what does uh, God look like to you? Uh, just the presence. Like, just a... Oh, God. A present. That's oh. actually very beautiful, John. Oh, please. I don't... What does it look face. like to you? Remember the word here. The operative word is look. What does God look like to you? A presence. I don't, I don't see a, a lot face. lot of people say he looks like peace or he looks like... Yeah. See, I don't understand that. You he... look like a feeling. Can you look like a feeling? I, I guess think so. I guess so. I mean, my definition of God is a overfilling pastrami sandwich. I go, from that Brent's. is from Brent's. Of course. That is God. Right? I have no vision of who God looks like, and the reason is uh, because uh, either I don't care, right, or I don't particularly you know, believe uh, there's someone out there. I'd like to think that God is this guy with uh, the long beard, sort of an older Amish guy. An uh, older Amish? Well, yeah, because their be- their beards turn white. Or Santa Claus. God is Santa Claus. You were making a lot of people really uncomfortable. Right I kept the tally. You blasphemed like twenty seven million times. John and I are just hitting the intercom back and forth to each other. Wow! 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 All right, here's one. Google is going to know when you are going to die. Well, here's Google being guy. Wow. Okay. I have never thought of God looking like Google. Yeah, or Google, or Google looking like God. God. I'll, and I'll explain. There is a method to this madness. And uh, we'll be back after lightning strikes me. <laughs> and I just explode. All right. Jennifer Jones On a uh, Tuesday, big stories that we're covering, uh, immigration issue. Uh, president is doubling down on the separation of families issue. Uh, the president also is going forward with his uh, uh, his, threaten, his threat to China to uh, put tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. All right, let me give you some medical stuff uh, because we've been dealing with those issues uh, for days now. 
So a story of this woman who has uh, late-stage breast cancer went to a hospital. There was fluids flooding in her lungs. She ta- saw two doctors, got a radiology scan. And then the hospital computers, and this happens all over the place, reads her vital signs and then estimated she had a 9.3 chance she would die during her stay at the hospital. Well, they tried Google. And Google has a new algorithm created by the company, and it read 175,000 data points and rendered its assessment of her death risk 20% versus 9.3. And she died in a matter of days. So uh, the Google algorithm actually called it. And uh, uh, this account of this woman's death was published by Google in May. Uh, research that highlighted the healthcare potential of these neural networks. Uh, it's AI, effectively, uh, and it's particularly good at using data to automatically learn and improve. And we're ta- talking about data since someone has been born, and it could forecast a host of patient outcomes, how long you're going to stay in the hospital, your odds of readmission, chances of your dying and when And the medical experts were very impressed with Google's ability to sift through data completely out of reach before. We're talking about uh, notes buried in PDFs or scribbled on old charts. It's a neural net uh, that gobbled up all of this information, and then it went ahead and issued its predictions. And Google's system even showed which records that led it to its conclusions which were important in determining someone's going to die or has a serious disease, and which ones were irrelevant. For example, I broke uh, my bones 11 times when I was a kid. No exaggeration. I don't think I've ever shared that with you. I would jump off of jungle gyms and miss the sand. That happened a few times to me. Broken bones. Thank you very much. At what point did you understand you should land in the sand? About uh, well, I it's it stopped. I stopped breaking bones at about twelve, and I don't have particularly fragile bones either. It's just me being a complete utter klutz. And uh, so this is so much better because uh, right now there are uh, protective uh, predictive models that use information in charts, but about eighty percent goes to the work of making the data presentable. Uh, Google does all of that with its algorithms. So next step is moving this system into clinics. And the problem right now is software is largely coded by hand and healthcare. What Google does is the machines learn to parse data on their own. And I guess they, you just scan old notes, you scan records, you scan PDFs, you scan x-rays, which and test results, which are now, of course, all computerized. And it picks it all up, it reads it, and it steers doctors uh, towards certain medications and diagnoses. And uh, I'll tell you, even IBM hasn't done a very good job. Now, a couple of problems with it. Number one is access to medical records. Patients aren't too thrilled about letting their medical records, although Google says it is totally anonymous. In other words, they don't need the name of anybody. They just need the data. And so my medical records are are all at Kaiser, and uh, it's it's a phone book. Marjorie's is two phone books. So that's one issue. 
And the other issue is simply the reliability, but it's really looking better than anything else out there. Uh, it's uh, right now the medical brain part is called it's what they're calling has uh, unfurled AI systems for radiology, ophthalmology, cardiology. They're looking at dermatology. How many pimples are you going to develop on your face over the next five years? Actually, dermatology, dermatology is a little more complicated than just pimples. Uh, to tell you, this looks pretty good, but that's modern medicine. You know, we're moving into the age of uh, genetic engineering of antibiotics and drugs to kill specific uh, viruses and uh, bacteria that are in the body to heal. It's uh, pretty neat stuff. And then uh, it, the information part of understanding Google is several steps ahead of everybody else. We're looking at medical science exploding on us as well as uh, other technologies. All right, let's move over to Cool Space News with Rod Pyle. Haven't done that in a while. KFI AM 640. 10, 9. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Three. Not because they are easy, two, but because they are hard. One. KFI presents Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Cool Space News with Rod Pyle. KFI handle here. It's a uh, Tuesday, and it is time for uh, Rod Pyle with Cool Space News. Uh, Rod, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am uh, excellent, and I don't care how you are. All right, now. Uh, Very good. Hey, you know that promo uh, of uh, uh, JFK talking, making the announcement that we're going to go to the moon in this decade, uh, yeah. not because it's easy, but because it's hard, and immediately made me think of uh, that. Uh, he said this without telling the folks at NASA. I mean, that just came up in his speech. <laughs> and uh, I can just imagine the folks at NASA looking at each other and going, what did he just say? What well, is it he been discussed. I know. Is he just no, nuts? He had, he had been querying his advisors saying look we got to do something to catch up with and bypass the soviet union what can it be so they knew something was the offing i think some of them just didn't expect quite that biggest step but yeah and the further we get from it i've probably mentioned this before but you know we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of apollo 11 and we're soon going to be almost as far away from that landing as it was from the flight of the wright brothers with canvas and wood and somehow the last 50 years doesn't seem quite as impressive as that leap so that's kind of sobering. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, but then again, uh, it's uh, it's it's much easier to go from the Wright brothers in uh, to bigger airplanes than it is landing on the moon. And the next step is uh, going to Venus, for example, uh, to put up uh, uh, some kind of a habitat. Anyway, let's just move on. It was uh, just a fun thought after uh, listening to the promo. Okay, uh, Space Force is uh, now going to be put into place by the president. Uh, do you remember uh, Team America? Uh, this yes. this reminds me of Team Heck America. Yeah. Space Force <laughs> with a bunch of puppet, yeah. puppets doing uh, marionettes, doing some very grotesque things. Uh, it seems to me that actually it makes sense if you're talking about uh, milita- militarizing space because that really is uh, such an important part of what we're doing. It is. And, and when you begin 
trying to really look at one of the books I was recently working on. I had to really delve into what satellites do for us now in terms of the commercialization of space. And it controls everything from, I mean, literally every ATM banking transaction you do has a time base that's generated from satellites, our GPS, the satellites, economics, uh, economic activity, farming, you know, tracking our submarines, even even road traffic is all done by satellite now. So if our satellites get knocked out, we're in big trouble. And that doesn't even include the military part of it. The thing that was a little weird about this was this was the the third major announcement coming out of the Trump administration for space directives, and it was supposed to be around orbital debris cleanup and other policy issues, and the Space Force thing was kind of a minor part of it, but Trump, as often he does, went off script and turned to this general in the front couple of rows of the VIP section and said, hey, we're going to do the Space Force thing. It's going to be a fifth branch of the military. You could take care of that for me, right, big guy? And uh, by all reports, the general said, uh, okay, sure, whatever you say. But we're already spending $22 billion a year on military space in the U.S., so this isn't like it's completely new. It's just a a slicing off of this from the Air Force into a new branch. That's going to raise some eyebrows, of course. Uh, but in reality, not much is going to change other than uh, the name of this organization. I'm thinking about how the Air Force was created out of the Army Air Corps uh, when uh, it was World War II. I mean, there was no Air Force in World War II. And it, right. and it became an Air Force. Did a whole lot change? Uh, not really. Uh, maybe a little bit more bureaucracy. And if there's going to be uh, a, another branch of the military, uh, you're talking about another bureaucracy, aren't you? Yes, and that and that's a big concern. But there's two things that differentiate this from the Air Force uh, uh, Army Air Corps decision back in '47. One is at in 1947, we knew what aerial combat was. We realized. Uh, really understood how it was going to work and what direction this new air force might take at this point space combat still a big unknown and they haven't talked at all about what the division is between robotic and manned or unmanned spacecraft exactly what they'll be doing there's vague talk about you know orbital interdiction and protecting assets and search and rescue and maybe trying to address the potential asteroid threat but it's all pretty vague the other thing that has been parsed out is who's going to pay for it does this come out of the air force budget which is going to make them very unhappy or does it come out of the larger military budget which will make everybody unhappy or is it new money all right just uh, technically how do you uh, take out a satellite if it's a uh, geosynchronous uh, orbit twenty-two thousand miles up uh, is that fairly easy to do certainly low earth orbit is easy but how about well, way up there yeah. Lower orbit is easy. Higher up, you have to have a much higher energy missile, of course, and 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 more discreet aim. Um, I don't think it's been done, but it's something that that could be done with technologies on the horizon. And that's one of the concerns is that both China and Russia are developing fairly aggressive ASAT technology, and they're both developing these Mach ten hypersonic hypersonic high speed strike missiles that that come in from a blister trajectory so there's a lot of concern about the growing threat from those two nations in particular which is why this is gaining some traction all right uh, let's take a break come back uh and i love this you sent this to me and uh the as you say the only system close enough for realistic exploration in the next few decades is alpha centauri four light years away i can't wait to have you tell me how we're going to look at something four light years away and land on it uh, we'll be right back. KFI okay. AM. Uh, uh, all right. Well, don't Rod, relax. I know you're going, you're getting upset here. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right. Jennifer Jones. Lee.
Tuesday morning. Uh, some of the top stories we're covering, of course, is uh, the separation of uh, the families at the border, particularly Texas, where the president is double downing uh, or doubling down, double downing, doubling down on his statement yesterday and the $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. The tariffs may go on there by the president. All right, back we go to Cool Space News with Rod Pyle. Rod, uh, all of a sudden, we're talking about Alpha Centauri or Centauri, uh, four light years away and somehow studying it. Explain that, please. So it's something we've been looking at for a long time because it is the, the nearest star system to us. But some new results that came in from an orbiting X-ray telescope that looks at things at the X-ray frequency called Chandra uh, kind of changed our view of the system. So there's three stars in Alpha Centauri. There's Proxima, which is a little red dwarf that's very radioactive, put out a lot of radioactive uh, material about 500 times out of the sun. And we always assume because of that star that the other two stars and systems and their planets would also be radioactive and that it would be toxic to any potential life forms if we found exoplanets there. So far, we've only found one around radioactive Proxima. But the new results of this telescope have said, no, you know, these other two stars are a lot more like our sun. One's a little bigger, one's a little smaller. But they're actually even more benign than our sun in terms of radioactivity. So if there are rocky planets near those two other stars, decent chance there might be life there if they're in the right spot. But they're really hard to spot because the stars are so bright and the way we currently look for exoplanets has trouble with bright right. stars. So, so we've got to evolve the tech a bit. All right. So it's all uh, simply analyzing technology, sort of third, uh, third degree separation, I would uh, guess. Uh, so actually going there and exploring and landing something on, obviously it's not going to be manned, uh, you know, how, what's the fastest that technology will allow a spacecraft to go yeah. or in its, in your wildest dreams, uh, <laughs> where do you go with this? I do have wild dreams and you're, you're usually in them, which is kind of weird. That is very, um, unu- that's very discouraging, uh, dis- uh, comfort- it was very uh, uncomfortable. You know that. Yeah. Well, I wanted okay. to make your day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's disconcerting. Major- that's the word. Okay. Go ahead. That's the word. Two major classes of, of, of ways to propel this craft. One is through conventional or somewhat better than conventional propulsion on the spacecraft. And JPL is planning something like that. And this is very rough planning, obviously. But uh, NASA JPL is planning something like that to launch maybe around 2070. And it would take 40 or 50 years to, to get there. The other way, which I think a lot of people think is probably a little more realistic, at least in terms of something near term, is to use a large laser or energy beam from Earth. And you put a bunch of small spacecraft, a whole swarm of things, somewhere between the size of a potato chip or a large dinner plate out in space. And you direct this beam of energy at them. You send them out. And that can reach 20% the speed of light. So you can get there in 20, 25 years. Now, this is obviously a flyby thing because you don't have a way using that method to slow them down once they get there, but they can image and measure the dynamics of that planetary system and send that information back, and four years later, we got it here at Earth. How do you measure anything at a quarter of the speed of light? You work very quickly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is it (laughs) zips right past. Well, uh-huh. but you're imaging on the way in, and you're, you're, you can very quickly measure a lot of the dynamics of the planetary system, you know, ra- radioactivity levels we've been looking for, and uh, magnetosphere and all that. So you've got to go, like I said, you've got to work really quickly, but it can be done. And, of course, by the time we can get this thing put together, technology will have taken another giant step. But already things are miniaturized now to the point where 
even machines that went to Mars, you know, 10 or 15 years ago that were the size of a microwave in terms of their instrumentation are down to something the size of a paperback. So it's moving really quickly in terms of miniaturization. All right, let's get a little closer to home and talk about NASA's opportunity, uh, the rover and the Martian surface. Uh, does it, is this thing, this storm uh, that's now hitting Mars, it, does, is it killing this? Is it over? Uh, it doesn't appear to be over yet. You know, so Curiosity has a nuclear battery, so it's just sitting there thumbing its nose at the storm and taking selfies and having a good time. But this storm is one of the biggest ones we've seen in decades. It's the size of North America. It's been going on for a few weeks. And it's the problem is it's just making it very dark. So Opportunity, which is already 14 years old, uses solar panels. And it's got aging batteries and aging systems otherwise. So the problem is the longer it sits there, the less and less power it has. It does go into kind of a semi-shutdown safe mode, and it'll wait out the storm and try and reach Earth after that storm passes, if it's got enough power to do so. The problem is it needs to use its batteries to keep from freezing if it gets too cold, and if the power levels get too low, the batteries might not have enough juice to keep the thing warm enough to be able to reach out. Which means it's going to be over. But uh, when you talk about a dust storm, uh, don't, don't dust storms take the dust off the panels and uh, keep them going? Usually they do. Um, wind events are better than dust events because they don't deposit dust while they're removing it. But that generally is what has been happening. The, the bigger concern is just the duration of the storm. It's not so much as building up dust on the panels at this point. It's just that it's making it so dark that it's not getting any solar power at all. So it's just sitting there starved of juice. But it's been 14 years, and this thing was only supposed to last 90 days. Yeah, so that's a pretty good return on investment. Yeah, inevitably that happens. Uh, whenever there is uh, uh, some kind of a program, some kind of a device that goes out there that's only supposed to last X number of days or months, it always goes beyond that. Is that just good PR? I think it's 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 planning for the worst case contingency, okay. but it, it's also is, you know, they have to budget extensions every time they do these things. So you never know if you're actually going to be able to pay for a longer mission. So that's part of it, too. They can just plan for the, the minimum Got one. It. Rod, thank you. Uh, we'll thank do this so again much. next week or two. Pilebooks.com, P-Y-L-E books.com and uh, the podcast here on KFI. And uh, there's so much to learn. Take care, Rod. Take care. Thanks. All right. I uh, love space stuff. You know, I'm a space nut. And there is... Space uh, love, Force. Yeah, you know, I said, doesn't it remind you of Team America uh, with Space Force? You see yes. a bunch of marionettes. It reminds me of the 80s video games. You know, Space Invaders, Galactica, all yeah. that. Good times. Can't wait. Um, well, yesterday we told you the story of Elizabeth Holmes, a girl who dropped out of Stanford at age 19 to go on and con all of Silicon Valley with her blood testing machine, this magic machine that she and her partner lied to people about. Some of the biggest names in the investing community were lied to and, and bought whatever she was selling, uh, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Well, today we've got the story of a woman named Anna Delve, who did the same thing in New York with socialite circles and how she was a con artist and how she was able to live off the rich for a very long time. I love stories like that. Me too. Yep. All right. Also, a uh, handle on the law I'm going to start uh, engaging in in just a few moments. Law Day was terrific on Saturday, and now we're back to uh, the phone calls. And uh, it's uh, happening in just a few moments. I'll do it till 11 o'clock. Marginal legal advice, 
877-520-1150. Handle on the law, off the air for future broadcast. And in case you don't know the number... Boy, I really milk this thing, don't I, Shannon? You do. 877. You're a milker. I am. 877-520-1150. Like a farmer at a cow. Uh, yes. Well said. Thank you. Uh, yes. As <laughs> I squeeze nope. the... 877-520-1150. Shannon, have a good show. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Handle in the morning crew. Tomorrow we do it again. KFI AM 640.